0: Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you know, I know I told you guys something last week that ended up not being true. Uh I told you that I was going to end our big word series, but I decided to do one more big word. Just one, just one more. I didn't want to leave our big word series without doing one more big word. And so today we're going to uh, talk about one more big word. And because here's the thing, one of the greatest roadblocks... Deterrence and hindrances to people living and having a daily walk with God. One of the biggest roadblocks of things that hold us back, it's like that giant speed bump right in the middle of the road, is a feeling of worthlessness. It's a feeling of not being good enough. It's a feeling of guilt. It's a feeling of shame. And the thing is, all these are feelings, number one. And as a result of these big speed bumps in the road, we stay away from God and we avoid Him and anything related to Him. And this isn't just people that aren't in the things of God. This is people that are believers, that are born again. A lot of times, because we mess up, then what happens is we slowly, because of our error, because of something that's happened, we let more and more distance come between us and God. And God's not moving. Amen. God's not moving. We're moving. We're moving away from him in relationship, we're moving away from him in communication, we're moving away from him in that daily time because of that feeling that I've messed up, that feeling of feeling worthless, and the myth is is that it's God that's making me feel that way. But that's not true, God's not making you feel that way. That's us. And so we've gotta break through that. And in the same way, our enemy, he tries to deceive us. That's what he does. And so he'll instill fear in you. He'll instill fear in me to keep us misguided in our walk with God. That, that fear of God is angry with me, God doesn't want me, that fear of, of just that impending doom, the enemy does. The Bible says in John eight forty four 44, that the devil is a liar, And we always have to remember that. The Bible says that lying is his native tongue. It's his native language. It's what he does. Everything out of his mouth is a lie. And so today I want to just focus on one sentence really. We're going to just focus on one word, one sentence. Because the goal of today, look at your neighbor and say, here's the goal. Here's the goal. Here's what we want to accomplish. This is what we want want to score right here. Here's the goal. To take the blindfold off, to open our eyes, amen, and to invite us, ourselves, say, Lord, I want to be in your presence, and I don't want anything to keep me from your presence. And those lies that pop up, we're going to take care of those today because here's the thing about a lie. Once you hear the truth, the lie no longer has power. Isn't that, isn't that true? Once, if you've been believing a lie and you hear a lie, but once it's proven to be a lie, it's like, oh, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. And so it breaks the power of that. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. Here we go. Ephesians chapter one. We're going to read lots of verses here, but you guys are big enough, you're old enough, amen, you can read lots of verses, right? Here we go. Ephesians chapter one, we're going to read, start in verse number three, and I'm going to read this for you. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, this is Paul, he's talking, and he's talking to God's holy people. Who's that? That's me. That's you. God's holy people. He said in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you. Let me just stop right there. You know, a lot of times we skip over the first verse that Paul writes when he says, it's usually in the first or second verse of the epistles where he says, grace and peace be to you. But you know, don't skip that because you're skipping two big words because grace is all God's power, all God's ability, all God's Goodness for me. And Paul's saying, Grace is for you. And then he says, Grace and peace to you. You know what the word peace literally means? It literally means the battle is over. The battle isn't that what they say? There's peace. The battle is over. Paul is saying grace to you, all God's power, all God's ability, all God's goodness for you and peace to you. The battle is over. You're not fighting to win. You've already got the victory. That's a good thing to remember. Jesus already fought the victory for me. Jesus already defeated the enemy. I'm not trying to defeat the enemy. He's already defeated. Somebody say amen to that. I'm not trying to get victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. Jesus put me here. And so Paul says, listen, grace is yours. Peace is yours. Grace and peace are yours. And then he says, praise be to the Father, to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We could just go home right now. At church. Couldn't we? That's just so good. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse number four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse number 11 says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are in the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Woo, isn't that good? There are so many big words in here. Verse number says, For he chose us. Verse number five says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Verse number seven, we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Verse number nine says, He made known to us his will. Quit saying the will of God is a mystery. Instead, say, I know the will of God. Amen? Because the Bible says that you can know it. And so when we look at this, and then verse number 11 says, We were chosen. Verse number 13 says, You were included. You're included. Verse number, and then it says you were marked. There is something different about you. You are marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Come on. Amen? Which is a guarantee that everything he said is true. I mean, this is so powerful. Man, if you've never camped in the book of Ephesians, you need to. Amen? This is just 13, 14 verses, and we're already uh, just realizing who we are. Come we're on. chosen, we're predestined for adoption. We're, we have forgiveness, we have the mark of the seal of the Holy Spirit. It is guaranteeing the promises of God. That is so good. So good. It's so good. And so if we if we ask ourselves, verse number six says, verse number four says, For he chose us. Chose me. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Oh, it's so good. so good. Verse number five says, He predestined us for adoption, adoption in the sonship. In the sonship with God, amen? And so when we're looking here, I want us to see some things. In verse number 11, it says we were chosen, says we are included. But this is how we act. How many went to elementary school? Raise your hand if you went to elementary school, right? We all went to, most of us in here. And so when you're in elementary school, how many just really, really hated that moment when the teacher said, let's pick teams, some of you are having flashbacks. I can see by the look on your face. And some of you are like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You know? But so this is how it w- goes a lot of times. So, you know, they would say, we need a team captain. Team captain. All right. So you're the team captain. So you get to pick. We'll say he gets to pick four people for his team. All right. I want to be on the team. Four people. And you can only pick from the front row. Okay. All right. All right. Angel. Come on. Come on. Give me a lead-off here, lead-off here, come on. All right. Angie, all right, come on. Pisces, oh. come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, I uh, need one more, need one more, I need one more. Uh, I, uh, no, I need, oh, uh, I suppose. All right, so you can come over here, yeah. All right, I think we're going to win, guys. We'll see. How many know I don't feel chosen? (laughs) I don't feel chosen at all. I feel like he got stuck with me. And you know what? That's exactly how we feel with God. Like, we're the last one picked for the team that they didn't really want us. We're not Angel. He was first pick. Right? And then, poor Villia didn't even get picked. (laughs) right? And so that's how we feel so often with God. Thank you guys. But you know what? That's not how the pick goes. Because when God picks, it says he chose us. He doesn't go, I'll pick Vilia. I'll pick Angel. He doesn't do that. He says, I pick everybody, He says, I pick everybody. Nobody is left out. Nobody is, you know, the last, you know, you ever see, I think there was a movie, it was like an Adam Sandler movie, I think, where they're picking teams and like one guy's got crutches and he picks him before he picks the other guy. And, and, you know, like the guy can't play whatever sport they're playing. He picks everybody. He picks like a grandma before he picks this one guy. And so often that's exactly how we feel. But you know what? There's a big word in here today we want to hear, and that's chosen. You're chosen. God didn't get stuck with you. God's not, you're not last pick on the team. God's not saying I'll take anybody but you. No, God says that He chose us. The Greek word for it is, is to choose, to pick out. The Webster says it like this, having been selected as the best or most appropriate, one who is the object of choice or divine favor an elect person. That's what God says you are. You've been chosen, and that's our big word for today, chosen, having been selected as the best or most appropriate. God says, I'm gonna take you because you're the best and most appropriate. You are the object of my choice. You are the object of my choice. And isn't that good? That's what God did. He's not, look, he's not like, who else? Like Devon did. Who else? Oh, looking right over me. He's not, you know, we're like, God, see me. And God's like, I already chose you. You're already my pick. You're already my select. You're the one. And so what is God saying when he says, I chose you? It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. How many of you were not big sinners in the womb? In the womb. You weren't, you didn't do anything bad in the womb, right? You know? (laughs) I mean, you were just there minding your own business, doing your thing, you know, your mom's taking care of you, everything is forming and, and all of that. You didn't, you didn't have a chance to really screw up yet, right? You didn't have a chance. And then when you're that little baby and you're so cute and you're just, everybody says you're so cute and all this, you, you, you're not screwing up. And sometimes we think like the choice wears off. Like, yeah, God chose me then, but then I did all this stuff. No, he says he chose us. You are the elect. You are the one that he desires, and it has nothing to do with how I've lived. The Bible says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose all of us. He chose all of us before we were even put a foot on this earth. God chose us. Amen? And so what's God saying there? He's saying, I want a relationship with you. I chose you. When someone gets married, you know, think about this. When they get married, a single person, you've dated and you've dated all these people or, you know, just maybe a few people. But then there's the one. There's the one. And there's something different about the one. And what happens? Put a ring on it right? You put a ring on that finger. What do you say? You're like, I choose you. Out of all the people I've met, out of all the people I know, I choose you. Why do we choose that person? Because we're saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to, to, to uh, give my life to you, right? Isn't that, isn't that what marriage is supposed to be like? How much more so when God says, I chose you. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to spend time with you. I prefer. Listen to what God says when he says, for he chose us. He's saying, I prefer, I desire, I select, and I pick you. Man, isn't that good? Wouldn't it be great if somebody came up to you and said, I prefer, I desire, and I select you. We'd be like, all right then. All right then. But you know what? That's what God's saying to us. And then what do we do? We act like he doesn't want anything to do with us. We act like that it's him that's making us uncomfortable and guilty and full of shame and making our head fall down. But you know what? John fifteen sixteen says this. Jesus said this. He said, you did not choose me but i chose you you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you see we're we're acting like you know god stuck with me because i need him God stuck with me because I need him. Because I need his love. I need his forgiveness. I need his power. All that's true. I do need that. But God's not like, man, you're a mess. Come on. I'll take you. No, he chose me first. He chose me first. And because of, he, I didn't love him first. He loved me first. And because he loved me first, I love him. God's not stuck with you. God's not over you. God desires you. God selected you. God picked you. God chose you. Doesn't matter how good you are at sports. Doesn't matter how good you can spell. Remember, those are the things we used to get picked for. Spelling, spelling things and sports things and all that. I mean, that was just the worst. It was the worst for some people, And then other people in here, you're just like, well, I never had a problem with it. Well, good for you. Good for you. There's the rest of us that didn't get picked. But think about it. Among the billions of people that have lived, that have ever lived, that are alive today and will ever be born, God's saying, I want you Christianity is an individual sport. I want you. I want you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. The Bible says if I was the only one here, Jesus still would have come for me. Amen? And here's, what, here's the beauty of his decision to choose me. I am chosen. I am chosen. Some of y'all, you see, to walk around saying that, I'm chosen. Maybe somebody left you. Maybe somebody said they don't want to be with you. Maybe somebody said they're over you. Maybe your parents never wanted you. Maybe you don't even know who your parents are. Whatever your story is, you have been chosen by the one who matters. You've been chosen Amen. by the one who matters. Amen. And that's God. And if you'll walk in that power and in that knowledge, the pain of the rejection from all the others will diminish. Because God's love fills every hole in your heart. God's love fills every gap that a person has left. God's love will fill it. But we need to walk in it. Because if you're sitting over on the bench, you know I like Survivor, and they have what they call a sit-out bench. A sit-out bench. Because when the teams are, are, if there's eight people on this team and seven people on this team, somebody on this team has to sit out. And the team says who has to sit out. And that's tough. But you know what? In Christianity, you put yourself on the sit-out list. You put yourself on the sit-out bench. You feel like, oh, I can't, I can't play because, you know, I got stuff going on and I don't really feel the love of God today. I can't play because, you know, I really messed up. You know, I was, me, and, me and my spouse got into a big fight on the way to church, so I can't play. And you go sit on the sit-out bench. And God's saying, I chose you. I chose you before all that. I chose you in spite of all that. I chose you before the earth began. I chose you. And God doesn't change. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he chose me, he chose me. And I need to walk in that. Need to get off the bench. Get off the sit-out bench. Get off the sit-out bench saying, oh, I can't serve because I got this. Oh, I can't, I can't have joy because I did this. I can't have peace because I did this. And God said, I chose you. I chose you. And what did he say before that? He said, I gave you every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's not based on me. It's based on him. But you know what? God, God can't make you get off the sit-out sit bench. If you want to sit there, you'll sit there. And all the opportunity and all the blessing and all the goodness and all the spiritual blessing and everything God has for you is all available to you. Why? he chose you, he chose you, he chose me, and so we got to just walk around saying, man, I'm chosen, if you pray with me, you've heard me say that, I say, Lord, I thank you that I am chosen, I am a royal priesthood, I am a child of God, that is who I am, doesn't matter how I feel, that is who I am. I don't always feel picked. I don't always feel anointed. I don't always feel saved. I don't always feel a lot of things. But it doesn't change the fact that they are still true. They are still true. Why? Because he chose me. For he chose us. Amen? And so that decision, what does that mean? We say, how can he choose me? How can he love me after the things I've done? God didn't choose you because you were good. He didn't choose you because he felt sorry for you. Verse number four says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You say, well, I'm not holy and I'm not blameless. It's in Christ. It's not just in me. It's in Christ. When God sees me, he doesn't just see me. He didn't just see me with all my failure and all my script. He sees Christ in me. Amen? Amen. Amen. God knew you were going to screw up. He made a way. Mm-hmm. He made a way. And so when we look at this, God said, I want a relationship with you. The number one reason, everybody's like, man, why am I here? Why do I exist? People ponder that question all the time. I'm going to answer it for you. You Ready? You could write books about it. People have. Why am I here? What was I made for? I just need to find myself. What's my purpose? All that stuff. You ready for the answer? Here's the answer. The number one reason you exist and I exist, number one, there are others, but the number one reason, and until you get the first reason right, nothing else fits, is God wants a relationship with us. Nothing is more important than my relationship with God. He chose me for it. Why am I here to have a relationship with God? He wants a relationship with me. Verse number four says, "For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be homely, holy, holy, excuse me, holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through." Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will God's not stuck with you it's his pleasure to have you in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will how many love a plan You're just like, I need a plan. You know, I joke, I say, if the plan is to do nothing, I just need to know that's the plan. I'm a planner. I need a plan. If we're going to sit home, watch TV all day, just let me know. Right? Just let me know. I'm in. But I just got to know the plan. But here's the thing. God has a plan. God has a plan. And he planned it. What? And it's his will for me to be with him. Now that word predestined always throws some people off. It's a big word, and it throws people off because immediately the enemy will say, "That's not you. You are not one of the picked." You get that flashback of when you were on the school play, uh, schoolyard, and everybody else is picked, but you. You're not picked. Or, you know, in my family, we would have two cars because, you know, there's a lot of, there were seven of us when we were all, all together, and so we would have to take two cars a lot of times. And everybody, and so everybody would run and get in my dad's car, and the rest of us would get in my mom's car, you know? Nothing wrong with my mom. My dad was just a little more fun. And my mom knew it. She was like, okay, you're stuck with me, Right? And we get, we get this, you know, you probably had where everybody got invited somewhere, you didn't get invited. Everybody's going, everybody's talking about something, you're not in the conversation. you know, the feeling of not being included is hard. And you know what, that's just part of life. You're not going to get invited everywhere. You're not going to be included in every conversation. But don't let that come into your relationship with God. Don't let the enemy tell you there are things that God has for some and not for you. That's not true. It's not true. And so when we see that word predestined, we got to know what it means. And there's two of, opposing views on predestination. How many are ready for some learning? How many want to learn a couple things? One of them is called Calvinism. Anybody ever heard that word before? Calvinism. And Calvinism came from a guy named You ready? John Calvin. Here we go. And it's an early 16th century guy. He was a theologian and he was instrumental in the Protestant Reformation, right? This is when you know we're pulling away. We've heard you've seen the movies where the Catholic Church and the Protestants they're still at war in some parts of the country. And so big change came in the church. And Calvin, he said, he set a beliefs, and they're referred to as Reformed theology. Alright. And here's what it means. God has already chosen. Who will go to heaven and hell. And man is saved by the will of God. Without choice. Without choice. Those predestined cannot be lost. And those who are lost. Cannot be saved. That's heavy, that's heavy duty. So. Calvinism is saying that no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter if you love God or you don't love God, if you receive Jesus or you don't receive Jesus, doesn't matter because somewhere before the foundation of the earth, God was going down a list and saying, Peggy, check. Angel, no, no. Angie, yeah. Devon, he's really good, but no. Vilia, okay, we'll let her in, right? I mean, does that even sound like God? No, but you know what? That—that's—that was. How many know? A lot of people can say something just because a lot of people say something and they sound smart doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's true, because just in just in a minute or two, we can. You're probably thinking of verses. I can think of one verse, just one. It's a biggie. One verse that would say that's not exactly true. Anybody know what it is? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say so. for God so loved North America. For God so loved North America only. For God so loved North America, South America, Asia, not, not uh, Australia. No, it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That, remember, it was a big word we learned that whosoever, there's no, there's no, there's no maybe you, maybe you, maybe you, no. So Calvinism, eh, I don't believe that. And that's just one verse. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. If he's not willing that any should perish, then why would only some be chosen and some not? It just doesn't line up with the rest of the word. But you know what? A whole bunch of people are living their lives, not so much anymore, but are, well, probably, are living their lives based on something that really, just because it sounds smart doesn't mean it is. And so that's one view of predestination. Everybody say, we're glad that we don't believe that. And if you, if you're saying, well, I don't know, here's what you do. Get into the word because the word will prove itself. The Word will show the character of God. The Word from Genesis all the way to Revelation comes together to show the redemption plan of God and nobody's left out. And so the other opposing view of that is what's called Armenian Armeniaism. Anybody ever seen an Armenian church? Well here's where it comes from. and it's from Jacobus Armenius. That just sounds like a character out of a, a Mel Gibson movie, doesn't it? Jacobus, Jacobus Arminius, he was a Dutch pastor and we love him. A theologian in the late 16th and 17th century who disputed many of Calvin's conclusions with the word. His most, most well-known follower, we've, most of us have heard of his name, was John Wesley. And he's the one, became the leader of the Methodist movement. And so they came along and they said, no, hold up a minute, the Bible shows that man has a free will. Because if, if Calvin's right, then you don't have a free will. If you don't want God, you're going to get him anyway. And if you do want God and you're not on the list, too bad for you. It's not up to you. And so this guy comes along, he says, no, man has a free will. We see that all the way in the very beginning. The first, you know, the first book of the Bible, we see the free will of, of people. And salvation is by grace alone. The Bible says we are saved by grace, and God's election and predestination are there continue on our choice. God has picked everybody. Is that what He says? For God so loved the world, God's not willing that any should perish, and so it's pre the condition is upon my choice to put my faith in Jesus, and that's what we believe here in at BBC. We believe that God loves. Everybody. We learned this the very first week of this series. That God loves every whosoever there is. There's not one human being on the planet that God does not love. There's not one human being that has ever been, ever will be on this planet that God does not love. That Jesus didn't come to give his life for them. Not one. That's what the Bible teaches. But what I do with that is my choice. I can choose to receive Jesus. I can choose that. And so when you see that word predestination, the word pre means before. And destination means point of arrival. How many have a GPS and it says you have reached your destination? And so predestination says, hey, it's, it's already chosen for you. It's already picked for you. You don't have, any, you don't have any, uh, anything to say about it. Predestined is something to determine beforehand. But you know, the thing about it is, the actual Greek word, and we won't even try to pronounce it, it means to predetermine, to predesign. And the truth is, God does have a predesigned place for all of us. He has a predesigned plan for all of us. Amen? And that predesigned plan, he said, I chose you. Get up off the sit-out bench and come and walk in the blessings I have for you. Because I chose you. Because I chose you. Amen? That's what's predestined. We're all predestined. God has a predesigned place for all of us, a predesigned plan. What is it that we would have a relationship with Him? that we would walk in all the spiritual blessings that he has for us, that we would walk in healing, we would walk in joy, we would walk in peace, we would walk in forgiveness, we would walk in our righteousness. That's his plan, and that's why Jesus came. And so don't let the enemy put false stuff in your head, saying, oh, you're not, you're not picked. You know, it's like the group that thinks only 110,000 people are gonna go to heaven. I don't want to break the news to them, but that number's already been reached. So why bother trying now? Why are you still trying? That number, that's a small number. There are churches in this world that have half that many people. You think that many people haven't already got their ticket? (laughs) What, What are you still knocking on doors for? It's full, if you believe that. But the Bible doesn't preach that. That's not God. That's not his character. The Bible says in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Verse number five in Ephesians is telling us that God has a plan for us to be his children. That's the plan. That's the plan. What's the predestined plan for you to be adopted into sonship? For you to be adopted into the family of God, that's the plan. Amen. You got picked. Before before anything, you got picked. Verse number five is telling us that God has a plan for us to be his kids. The new birth was part of his eternal plan so that we could be part of the family of God. We are as precious to God, listen to me, we are as precious to God as his firstborn son. We're just as precious. We're just as precious. Why? Because we've been adopted into sonship amen that's the plan you know that word adopted another big word another big word adopted it says in verse and uh, Ephesians says for he chose us remember that's our big word for the day he chose me for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship. What's the plan for you to be in the family of God? What's the plan for you to be a son and daughter of God himself? What's the plan for you to be God's favorite kid? You ask any parent, who's my favorite? One day they'll say this one, the next day they'll say this one. Because the truth is, they're all their favorites. Right? Right. What's the plan? To be in the family of God. To have a father, that's the plan. God didn't inherit you. He didn't get stuck with you. He chose you. Amen? He chose you. You know, there's a joke in my family, and it's actually, sadly, a true story. This is a true story. You can ask my father. You can ask my brother, who always brings it up. But my brother Michael, who's mean and callous and has no heart, him, he used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, Peggy, you're adopted. You're not one of us. Because I was the last one, you know. He would say, you're not even one of us. You're adopted. Mom and dad found you. He would tell me. And so one day, true story, in tears, my brother has me convinced that I'm adopted. And my, I go up to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, Mike said I'm adopted. And with all the love and compassion in the Dubinque family, I promise you my right-handed Jesus, my father looked at me and he said, Peggy, adopted children are picked. We wouldn't have picked you. <laughs> Amazing that I have not had years of therapy. True story. My dad says, adopted kids are picked. You get to pick which one you want. We didn't pick you. You're not adopted. But here's the thing. Sometimes we can think of adopted as kind of like less than. But that's not true. That's not true. I mean, my dad was joking. You know, my dad's a jokester. And of course, so don't you know think I was abused as a child, I wasn't. You know, he's a jokester and he he walked me through it. But the thing is we sometimes we think like, oh you're adopted. Oh you're adopted. But think about that. When you're adopted, you're chosen. You're picked. You're picked. Out of everybody, they picked you. Amen? You got picked. And so really, when someone is adopted, it means that somebody wants to make something permanent. Because, you know, just like the Jacobs family, they've, they have kids, and, and many of them came into their home as foster children. And they were temporary. But they chose to adopt them and make it permanent. Permanent. See, when you're adopted, you're picked. What's God's predestined plan? What's his plan? Who's predestined? Well, the Bible says, verse number five, he predestined us, he predesigned us, he has a destination for us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus In accordance, look at these next two words, his pleasure and his will. God's not stuck with you. He's not up up in heaven like, I can't believe I got this guy. I can't believe I got this guy. Where did did you come from? No, it's his pleasure and it's his will. That's what God predestined. That's what being chosen really means. God wants wants to make it permanent. We need to stop seeing ourselves as temporary. We need to stop thinking that we're auditioning to get into the family of God, that we're, we're on a trial basis, and as long as we don't screw up, then we can stay. No, that's not God's plan. God's predestined plan is adoption into sonship. For who? For you and for me. We have been chosen. Chosen our big word today. I'm chosen. I am God's pick. I'm his pick. I'm his elected person. Amen? We get all the benefits, all the privileges, and inheritance. Listen, when you are adopted, there are actually laws on the books in almost every state in America that if you are an adopted kid, you must be treated the same as biological kids in a will. Over in, I think it's France, adopted kids actually get more money than biological kids. It's the law. Isn't that incredible? Because here's the thing once you're adopted, there's no longer any difference between you legally. There's no difference between you and a biological child. Who is God's biological child, so to speak? It's not a trick question. It's Jesus. God's plan. His predestined plan. His pre-designed plan for you and for me. Before anything, before we said our first word, not based on me, totally based on Him, and He does not change, is for me to be adopted into the family of God, to be part of the family of God, to have all the spiritual blessings. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians? That He has made for us every spiritual blessing? That's God's plan, that's His plan. I'm chosen. Get off the sit-out bench. You don't have to sit out of the family. You're in the family. Amen? You're, already, you're in the family. Once you make your choice, yes, I want, because I have that free will, I want to be in the family of God. I want to see when Devon was picking teams, I could have sat there and said No. I don't want to be on your team. I don't think you guys are are true, and I don't think you're right, and I don't think it's the best thing for my life, and I'm just going to do it on my own. And you know what? People do that with God all the time, and he's saying, I picked you. I picked you. I picked you. You are chosen. And we're like, no, I got it. I got it. You're sitting out of the things of God, and God's saying, I picked you. Come be on the team. Come be in the family. Amen? Think about it. Your dad, because we've been adopted into the family of God, has unlimited power and ability. Your dad has already declared in his written word and promises to us that he will provide for us. Your dad has a way of making things work when it seems like there's no way it's going to work. Your dad is more than enough. He's bigger than lack. He's greater than sickness or disease. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus.